Welcome to the Family Law Now podcast. Today's podcast, we're going to talk about the cost of collaborative practice and a block fee approach. We're joined again today by Brian Galbraith, a bit of a celebrity in Southern Ontario for uh, collaborative practice. Welcome. Thank you. So I know you and your wife curl in the wintertime. You're quite active curlers. What do you do in the summer? Well, we live on Lake Simcoe. Oh, nice. So uh, we enjoy water sports. I like uh, white water uh, canoeing. Haven't got out this year on the on the rivers, but uh, we do some overnight canoe trips as well. So uh, we've got two trips planned in the next, or three trips planned in the next three weeks. Great where stuff. Where we we'll go out uh, canoeing and uh, and then we take our tent with us in the canoe and stay out in the woods for two or three days. It's so. a lot of work, eh? When you take a tent, it is to stay for a week. And it, it is great. Yeah, we've I've done a week long trips wow. with the boys, and and uh, I, I love it. It's just the most exhilarating uh, thing. Very last can, year, very Canadiana. Last year, I remember uh, laying in bed with my kids. Uh, Nicole was away somewhere, and I just had our. I guess it was my seven-year-old and, f- and five-year-old with me last year, and we were laying in the tent, and uh, we couldn't go to sleep, and it's because of the hooting of an owl just up in the tree above our tent. Wow! And I was like, "This is fantastic." Awesome. Yeah, I love it. Now, a canoe is considered a vessel. You know that, so absolutely. you gotta be careful of the drinking and canoeing. Oh, yes, right? absolutely. I'll tell you though a funny story about that. I was in Georgian Island with a uh, Georgian Bay, Georgian Bay with my kids, right. and we were camping on an island, and I was doing the dishes, and up floated a cold can of beer, and I was like, oh my goodness, God has sent me a beer. It was so just for serious? Yes. Oh, wow. Of course, there was probably some other father <laughs> somewhere going to get his Cursing. can of beer, and it had floated away. But it had come to my island, so I, I enjoyed a nice cold beer that oh, night. <laughs> wow. You'll watch out for the bears and the snakes up there, too. Yes, you do. Yeah. All right, so we've got a great topic today. Uh, before we do a deep dive, let's talk a little bit about what collaborative practice is for listeners who may not know. So give us uh, some broad strokes here about collaborative practice. Well, collaborative practice is a way of resolving your family law issues, you know, such as related to a divorce or a separation without going to court. It's, it's all about problem solving and finding a way to get them, get the issues resolved so that both parties feel like they've got uh, a win-win situation. And uh, the nice thing about it is that it's an interdisciplinary process because divorce is not just a legal process. It, there's an emotional component to it. There's child parenting issues that have to be resolved. There's financial issues. So we bring usually bring in a a family professional who has some expertise in that area and uh, they help resolve those issues and we bring in a financial professional to help with the financial issues and there's a real commitment to not going to court in fact the commitment is so strong that the the parties sign an agreement that if they go to court uh, the both parties have to start all over with new lawyers. The parties enter into a contract which is a collaborative practice participation agreement. Right. Sets out the rules of the process. Uh, there's schedules attached to it, which sets out rules for engaging a financial neutral or a family neutral. Right. Um, there's a roadmap that's attached to it. Generally speaking, the first step is to build the foundation and introduce everybody to the process. Second step is to gather and exchange information. Then we third step is we identify interests, which is goals and interests, which is 
the cornerstone of the process. Fourth step is we identify choices, and then fifth, we evaluate consequences of each choice, and then finally, we come to a decision. Right. When I do uh, the traditional collaborative approach, I like to go with the full team uh, as a starting point. Uh, I think it ends up saving money uh, in the long run. Other professionals may disagree. But the standard uh, approach is each part of this collaborative participation agreement will have schedules. So you'll hire your own lawyer. You'll pay him or her their hourly rates. The schedules to the agreement will set out usually the hourly rates for a financial neutral or a family neutral. So you're paying by the hour and the clock's ticking. And I understand you've got something new that we're going to talk about today. It's this block-free approach. So what are, what's happening here? Well, in, uh, we have a process that we call the streamlined flat fee process. And what it is is that the clients know uh, from the get-go exactly what the cost will be of the process. Uh, so they know how much they have to each pay their lawyer, and they know how much each person has to contribute to the family professional and to the financial professional. Uh, and clients love that, Russ, because uh, it's so much uh, better than saying to the client, just give me a blank check. I'll fill in the amount as we right. go along. Just trust me, I'm going to do my best to save you money. The clients say, how can I trust you? It's not in your best interest for you to minimize the amount of time. I just, it, it's so um, uncomfortable and the, and the clients really don't like and you that. And I have, you and I have worked with a lawyer named Lee Rose now in North Carolina who is big on block fee everything, right? right? And whether you're going to court or collaborative, he wants everything reduced to a block fee. And over the years, there's been a lot of kickback from the profession and others who just can't pull away from this model of an hourly rate. And they're, wor you know, they're worried, right? right? The lawyers are worried. Yeah. Um, but Lee says he makes more money doing it this way than uh, if he was charging on an hourly basis. Yeah. And, he's been and the clients like it better because the clients know what they're supposed that what they have to pay. So it's way better for the, them, and so they're willing to pay and a premium. And he's been preaching this for 20 years, yeah. but we still see a reluctance in our profession, at least in Ontario, to, apart from perhaps a simple divorce, whatever that means, you know, simple divorce, uh, a reluctance or even a straightforward separation agreement to get, engage in block fees. Um, when I talk about uh, to clients about the basic collaborative process, uh, when I say basic, I'm saying not block fees. I always try to sell them on a full team. And the full team does a number of things. We have a family professional who can work with them off-site, maybe develop a parenting plan prior to the first meeting. We have a financial neutral who can do a joint disclosure brief for the lawyer so you're not duplicating um, information and work there. Do you do full team with the block fee or do you keep yeah. it separate? No, we only do full team. Only full team. Yeah. And what do you say to these naysayers? So you've got these ones who are saying, you know, I'm concerned that uh, if I agree to this fee, whatever the number is, we're going to get into the details, that we're going to exceed it. And um, it's not going to be profitable for the firm. What do you, what, what's your advice for those lawyers? Well, um, my experience is that is different. Uh, we, in our earlier cases, we did end up doing some work uh, for free. 
uh, and uh, because we we estimated the amount of time we would spend uh, not not as well as we could have but we've adjusted that and now we're the last case I, I completed we actually made more money than we would have had we charged it on an hourly basis right so you learn to be more efficient and ef effective and you learn ways of uh, getting the case done because um, you have an incentive to get it done when you're on a block fee. And what I found really interesting about uh, your approach, Brian, is again, in the traditional model, we uh, screen clients to see if it's appropriate for collaborative practice. And there's a number of things we look at, including family violence and power imbalances in relationships. And then, you know, there's this recent trend where high conflict cases are sometimes best suited for collaborative because of the level of conflict. So we're kind of seeing a movement in the other Absolutely. direction. So for lawyers and professionals, screening is always important. And I work with some teams where they won't start a file until a family professional has done a screening uh, before it even gets off the ground. Uh, but your approach is really quite unique. So you've got these two binders, which you've been very... So to, uh, can I tell you, uh, sure. what we, one of the things we do for screening is um, there's an online... That's what I'm getting to. You're yeah. stealing my thunder here. Okay. okay. So let's get right into it. Uh, we're going to come right back to that. So you got these two binders, which are excellent. One is for the professionals and one is for the client. But this uh, SDRI process... Um, I think is separation and divorce readiness indicator, which is fantastic. So it's yeah. an online program. It's a very good screening tool. What are we looking at here? What, what? Yeah, it's it, it, the cost is about uh, I think it's one hundred and fifty dollars for the for the couple. So mostly seventy five dollars each. Uh, it takes them about forty five minutes to complete a series of questions, and the questions are are on twenty six different categories, and they're all about. Um, their relationship, uh, whether there's been any uh, history of violence, what, uh, their financial acumen, uh, their control, their power in the relationship, uh, parenting styles, twenty, like I said, 26 different areas of, of questioning. And I've seen the results. They graph it out for you. Yeah. And what and, are you looking at? What are you looking for? Well, what you're looking at is they'll take it then and look at the level of complexity. Uh, because some uh, factors are weighted more heavily than other factors because the research has indicated that it you know that those are better in indicia of uh, if having problems in a collaborative Is complexity case. different than conflict yes how so well because you well, that's a good question i have to think that through is it different it, it they there's always conflict and disagreement between the parties but the, the the issue is is how complex and how uh, in how difficult it will be to right. resolve. And I see the screening tool in the way that you're using it. You're trying to measure the complexity and I guess to some degree the conflict, and sort of ahead of time trying to predict can this family come to an agreement within a structured block fee approach. Right. Yes. Yeah. And if you're outside these parameters, then it might just be the regular hourly rate. Right. If you're within it, then you say, okay, we have a, a chance to do it block fee. Right. And and uh, the way we approach the clients is we say, we've got this great streamlined flat fee process. You may qualify for it. I don't know. We need you to do this SDRI. 
And from a marketing point of view, that's a, a really attractive thing to say to the client is, is look. We're going to say, no, I want it. Even yeah, now, right? exactly. What do you mean I can't have I it? I want it. Yeah. Right. And uh, so, yeah, it's, it's an easy sell to, to clients because they're excited to, to qualify. So I love these binders um, for a number of reasons. Um, lots of teams, when I say a team, uh, that, that consists of two lawyers and a number of professionals, depending on the complexity of the family. You know, you might have business valuators, but lots of teams come together for the first time. Everybody's got their own pattern and their own way of doing things. This kind of gives us a consistent, streamlined precedent for everybody to follow with checklists, uh, which yeah. are incredibly helpful, right down to the first professional's phone call. Right. Yeah, absolutely. And and that's that uh, first professional meeting is all about making sure that the professionals are all on the same page, what roles they're going to play. And it's sharing, you know, little uh, hot buttons, you know, like I, I hate it when you don't people don't reply to emails within a, a day or two, you know, because that can create conflict within the professional team. And so you want to avoid that. You want everyone to be working together for the betterment of the family. So, And your block fee approach has some... Um new stuff for me and I've been doing lots of collaborative work so I find it just a fantastic resource but let's talk about the family anchor statement what are we talking what, what's this about and why do you get clients to fill that out oh that's that's a good point I, we didn't uh, most of the stuff we didn't create ourselves but uh, we've borrowed it from people elsewhere but you've assembled it in one spot right which is fantastic and what the anchor statement is the one of the first things that's done that's done by the family professional who helps the parties come together with a statement that they agree on, that they, it's like a goal, an overarching goal that they want to achieve in the process. So one case I had, uh, their anchor statement was simply that at the end of the process, they wanted to remain friends. Yeah, Some of them are different, some are more detailed, right. and they might say, uh, we both want to have a meaningful relationship with our children and financial independence. So it's, it's an agreement that the both parties have as a goal for the process. And we call it an anchor statement because it anchors everything that we do. So if you're hitting an impasse or somebody's getting caught up in an issue, it's useful to go back to the anchor statement. Yes. Will this help us get to that ultimate right. goal of uh, whatever your goal is, whatever yeah. your anchor statement is? And so we actually will put it on uh, some of the documents that we have or we'll... Uh, we'll have it posted on the wall when we're meeting so that everyone keeps that in mind at all. Good reference point. Yeah. yeah, fantastic stuff. You also have a commitment to reaching a settlement. Yeah, that that I think is, is an original document. And it's a, a, a three-page list of things uh, that they need to do to be able to reach a, a settlement. So it might be things like, I will not bully my spouse. I will listen carefully and consider what's important to my spouse. I will communicate my own needs uh, clearly. Uh, I will seek help when I need help. So it's all those principles of behavior that help uh, clients reach an agreement. And the reason we're doing that is we really want to set them up for settlement and make sure that they, they uh, know what they need to do to reach an agreement. Excellent. Also, the emotional journey or scar is another thing that you've encountered. Yeah, well, it's, it, you know, it's, it's an emotional experience. I went through my own divorce, Russ, and even though I was a divorce lawyer at the time, I too had the same 
emotional experience that all my clients Remember the have. judge said, get out of my courtroom. Yeah, I'm, not, right. I'm not listening to this. That's right. But uh, the, so we have a little piece in there that explains the emotional journey so that people are aware of it. And the process it. that they go through. So there's lots of education that goes in yes. these binders. And I guess the goal here is, Brian, is that you're committing to limit your fees to block fee. The client has to make a commitment too. They're going to they're going to commit to follow these rules, to go through the binder, to work diligently into th- thinking about their own goals and interests and what their spouses might be, to doing this anchor statement, to making a commitment to reach settlement. So there's a certain expectation that the client's not going to sit on their hands, that they're going to come in and fully participate. Right, absolutely, and and we have a detailed roadmap that talks about the various steps in the process, and it, it talks about the clients job, what they have to do, and their responsibilities during each step of the process so that they can do that. And I love these roadmaps because it's easy for us who do it every day to think, okay, well, this is going to be our next step. If you're going through your first divorce, you have no idea, you know, when's this going to end? Why are we still having meetings? Um, and it's it's that uncertainty, Russ, that is causes the client so much stress and anxiety because they just don't know when is it going to end when is this going to finalize how is this going to work and so by giving them a detailed roadmap as much as you can it gives them a a sense of comfort about they know what's coming next right so these binders really help educate people i know a lot of my clients like to do their own research whether it's online they've done a lot of their own thinking uh, prior to coming into the office so this really helps the client understand the language that we use, the reason why that we follow these steps. They've worked for 20 years. It seems to be working right now. Uh, so I think it's been um, an excellent resource. The, the thing, the key to this being a flat fee is that it, it's a very limited process. We only uh, have two full-team settlement meetings. And once those two full-team settlement meetings are finished, then uh, the, either the case is resolved or there has to be new fees and a new process uh, established after that. So we've never had a case not resolved. But we, we can imagine that after two meetings, we might not have a resolution. And then we'll go back to the clients and say, okay, if you want another meeting, it's going to cost this number of dollars. Or maybe we need to bring in a mediator or maybe we need to do something different. But that's when the the process ends uh, at the after the second settlement meeting. And I know we've talked about this a lot before. Um, how do you get it done in two meetings? This is the feedback I get from lawyers. And what you've done here is you've created a, a roadmap where a lot of this work can get be done offline yeah, or in advance of even the first meeting. Yeah. So in terms of offline work and your expectations of what the clients are going to need to do, what happens offline? And when I say offline, I mean that's outside of your lawyer's office, outside of the full team. Right. Well, the the first phase is the engagement phase where we get everyone retained. We do the the uh, the SDRI and, and all those sorts and of things. And traditionally that would be done at the first team meeting, but that's done even prior to meeting. Right. And we actually, yeah, sign the participation agreement, not at a settlement meeting, but at, at each lawyer's individual office so that uh, we don't start the process usually with a settlement meeting. Uh, we wait to the very end when the clients are right ready to settle the case. So what and happens... You're getting a lot of data ahead of time as well in terms of financial The, next, the next phase we call the neutral narrowing phase. 
and that's when the neutrals, the family professional and the financial professional, are, are accumulating the data and putting together, the family professionals putting together the parenting plan, the financial person's getting the net family property statement together, and then we call it neutral narrowing because they're narrowing the issues. They're trying to resolve things as they go along. It's like a combination of mediation and, and collaborative because the, the neutrals are acting like a mediator in that role to narrow the issues down. And just for our listeners, when Brian and I talk about data, we're talking things like uh, notices of assessment, tax returns, valuations of the home, pension valuations, maybe if you own a business, the business details and what expenses are being written off. Right. So this is data we assemble ahead of time because you need that data to understand how the outcome's gonna look. Right, absolutely. Right, and that, so all that's done offline. This has also changed um, the retainer agreement, the participation agreement, they have been modified slightly as well from the traditional standard right. one. What changes have you made? Well, the, the retainer agreement uh, explains that this is a limited process. You're paying a flat fee for this limited process. And when the process is complete, there may be additional fees uh, established. So that, you know, the, from the professional's point of view, they, they're always worried, well, this is going to go on and on and on forever and ever, and I'm going to be working for uh, $5 an hour. Well, that, that's not the case because there's limits to the process, and that's built right into the retainer agreement. And same with the participation agreement. It describes the, uh, the, uh, the streamlined flat fee process. So let's get into meat and potatoes here. How much is somebody going to pay for a block fee uh, divorce? Which, if, assuming they go through the screening, they meet the criteria, you've got your team ready to go. What are they looking at in terms of well, dollars and cents? Each case is different. Uh, we look at the cases, the, uh, the complexity of the case uh, before us, and set the flat fee. Generally, it's about $18,000 for the family. So that's notionally, if it's divided equally, that'd be $9,000 for each person. And so- And that's, that's for, that pays for all of the professionals. It pays the legal fees, it pays for the family and the financial professional fees. So tax in that? Plus tax. All right, so I, hypothetically, I'm getting a divorce, I'm gonna pay my 9,000. My spouse is going to pay nine thousand. Right. We're going to get the services of a full collaborative team. We're looking at two meetings, and I should expect I'm going to have some homework to do right. uh, off offline. Yes, in advance of those. So we don't have those settlement meetings until we know that the clients are ready for settlement, and we do even some work that used to be done at the table. We do that in advance. For example, we exchange the the interest. What what is it that that's really motivating you and is a big value for you, Mr. Uh, husband or Mrs. Wife, what's important for you uh, related to these issues. And then we even do some uh, option generating before we come to the meeting. So we get- an So are you doing that with the clients or the professionals are doing that? The clients with their lawyers or the, sometimes the client is meeting with the family or it depends what the issue is. Could be with any one of the professionals but they're not doing it all together. Uh, they're just doing it offline, like you said, and exchanging those so that when they come to the, the, the final table, uh, they're ready for settlement. And usually there's very few issues that they really have to discuss. They've thought about it every which way. They're totally ready for settlement. And for the lawyers and the financial neutrals who may be listening today, 
How does that 9,000 or that 18,000 break down between the team members? Uh, I don't know the details. I can't remember. It's uh, uh, what our family and our financial professional that I've done a few cases with says she's actually made more money on these flat fee cases than on our hourly basis in every case. And the family is is saying some of the earlier cases, not so much, but now we've got them out right. And what a lot of clients don't appreciate is that uh, usually when you speak to your lawyer, you pay by the minute or by the hour. Oftentimes we'll have conversations with clients that we don't bill them for. The meeting may run a little bit longer. We don't necessarily bill them for. But a block fee, uh, they can budget on that. Right. Right. And... And uh, and the nobody's watching their clock. The client's not watching their clock. The client's right. not worried about a, a short conversation costing them twenty dollars or whatever. Right. You know, it, it's really uh, freeing up for everyone. So, what do you do with the client who says, "Okay, that's great. I paid my block fee. I'm going to call you five times a day, every day." Well, that's just not been our experience. And in fact, the opposite has been our experience. I remember a client apologizing. He contacted me. He says, "I know." I know you're, I paid you a block fee and I apologize for having to ask you some more questions. But they, they felt a sense of, of not wanting to, uh, to, to take advantage of the situation. They want to be responsible with your time. Yeah, the, the clients were, were, were that way. And uh, so we've never, we haven't had that. But in any case, the key, uh, a trick here for the professionals is, is uh, to get to that second settlement meeting uh, as soon as you can, uh, because that's the finality. That's the when the whole process ends. And that's what really clients are looking for is closure. Right. When's this going to be over? Right. Um, make it stop in terms of bleeding financially and paying professionals and lawyers. Right. So you're, you're exactly right. So uh, the professionals and the clients both want the same thing. They want to get the, the case resolved in a timely manner. And I find that usually the quicker you can resolve client matters, the happier the client is. With the Absolutely. Outcome. And happy clients pay their bills that refer you more clients. Uh, it's just a good pro- business proposition. And they happy spread clients. the word of it, collaborative practice. Absolutely. Yeah. Great stuff, Ryan. This streamlined fat fee approach is really a fantastic option. I think you've done a great job here. Um, any closing comments? Yeah, it's, it's we're very excited. I'm doing a a webinar for a group in Indiana right, um, on Thursday, and I've done some webinars uh, elsewhere, uh, and uh, prospect of going to Oregon as well. And in fact, all of the forms and documents have been translated into Chinese, and wow. I may be uh, speaking in Hong Kong about it as well. So it's fantastic. There's been a lot of interest, and I provide all the the information to people for free. Uh, uh, just because we're all learning, all, almost all of Florida is is experimenting with this now. There, the, it's a statewide initiative, uh, helping to get it established in Florida, and they take our documents, Russ, and they improve them, they make them appropriate to mm-hmm. their local area, and uh, it's really exciting because it's making collaborative practice accessible to more people. Yeah, it's fantastic stuff. We've covered a lot here today. Uh, I know Brian is going to be speaking at some conferences in the next month or two. One of your presentations on this will be videotaped, Yeah, as uh, my understanding. So that videotape will be uh, made through the provincial site and maybe the IACP made available to the public. So if you want to look, learn more, look for that video. You can also see Brian speak and uh, 
where I've been pretty much anybody opening a garage store, you'll show up and make a speech, right? <laughs> yeah, absolutely. <laughs> Just give him some notice and he'll be there. Um, this is great stuff. I want to thank you for putting this together for uh, the collaborative team and the community. Uh, you're very generous in sharing all the information and all the presence that you've made. So I want to thank you. It's been a really helpful resource for me. Okay, you're welcome. I'm happy to share. I want to thank everybody for listening today. If you enjoyed our program, please share it with your friends, families, and collaborative colleagues. Right on.